welcome to the Backlog Breakdown. That, that was supposed to be a Resident Evil voice, but the, I mean, it's from Resident Evil 4, even though we're talking about Resident Evil 2, Resident but there's no voice. Evil. Why didn't you introduce this week? I mean, that was so much better. Nope. Anyways. All you Anyways. Buddy. Well, welcome to the Backlog Breakdown. We're talking Resident Evil 2 today, and because we're talking Resident Evil 2, um, we wanted to invite on someone very special Someone who, I, I haven't said this on the podcast, but someone who bought me my copy of Resident Evil 2, Mr. Micah Hendrick. Thank you, guys. How you doing? I'm doing We're fantastic, because I've been playing doing Resident Evil 2. Resident I, Evil. I, I have not been doing great. Um, that's also oh, no. because I was playing Resident Evil 2. <laughs> <laughs> Micah, uh, I haven't told you this yet, Josh, but in my head, mm. I think of him as Micah Gear Solid. Okay, you know? yep. I yep. can live but, with that. There you go. You know, that's like, that's, uh, like my personal headcanon. Um, Middle yeah. Gear. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, gear. my snake voice might be the same as my Resident <laughs> Evil voice. Well, they're, they're very similar, sort of, uh, you know. They, they're kind of in there. So, yeah. Uh, we're Micah. You are one of uh, the brochachos, so to speak. Mm. Uh, Micah Gear Solid. Actually, you know what? I'm going to like. I'm going to make it a little pet project. I mean, like you know, Wes is the hench and dad of Go Go Wes. You know, you're Micah Gear Solid. So I have to come up with mm. something clever for Paul and something yeah. clever for Jeremy as well. And I know Jeremy is technically like the trash turkey, but I'm mm-hmm. going to. And Paul is the techno funk boy, but. I'm going to dismantle those, and we are going to uh, we're going to give them embarrassing, you know, oops, excuse me, whew, affectations. I've been drinking uh, cherry vanilla zero Coke Zero. Whoa, it's, it's delicious. Like four different editions. It, <laughs> yeah, actually, one of those is a subtraction. But anyways, yes, <laughs> one of those is a negation. Because anytime you multiply anything by zero, you get zero. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they get all this zero into the can, but it's it's delicious. It's a whole lot of delicious nothing. <laughs> well, I will own Mikey Gear Solid like any day of the week for sure. Sweet. I dig it. Sweet. We wanted to have a solid episode here today, so we invited our resident Burchacho. Didn't. Micah. <laughs> Okay, I'm done. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Nate, you said that you're not doing too well, but you said it's because of this game, but I know a little bit, you know, we did a little pre-show talking, whatever. I was going to ask how you're doing, but I know it's not necessarily the best. Um, I mean, we're all in, in a similar situation, somewhat similar. You're in a unique situation. I get it. But we're all sort of quarantined because there's a virus out there. That's going on. Well, right? you guys are quarantined. I okay. am considered essential personnel. Micah go. told me I'm a hero, and it made me feel good. Exactly. Uh, but I don't want to be a hero. <laughs> I don't want to be essential. Uh, no, uh, post office doesn't close. And uh, yeah, I, like, here's the deal. Like it is, it is definitely wearing. It is definitely like very sort of like stressful. It is definitely like a little intense, especially when people just don't understand. Don't come outside. Like, stop talking to me. Like, the words, yeah. sir, ma'am, please close your door. Stay inside. 
Uh, I had to say those, in, like once would have been far more than I wanted to say them, but I had to say them many more times than that. Well, you then, are uh, literally Sam Porter Bridges right now from Death Stranding. You know, I don't know if you've seen everyone talking uh, talking about Hideo Kojima predicting the coronavirus. Basically, everyone <laughs> staying inside, and the only there's just a courier people just delivering packages to people as they all stay inside from <laughs> this uh, this crazy stuff that's going on in the world. <laughs> so that's you, just being a, a Hideo Kojima uh, hero every day. Yeah, I definitely think I have a better beard, even though it's 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 mostly shorn. It's not quite, but uh, we did. Uh, it took uh, a hit. Yeah, it took a hit. Uh, we got our first, uh, and this was so, it was sort of like my trigger point was like I told Megan. I said I think when we got our first uh, verified case here in uh, Western Pennsylvania and in Cambria County where we live, I said uh, I think I'm gonna clip off the beard. Um, and it's mostly, it's one to help me not touch my face nearly as much, uh, which so far tonight it has not helped at all. Uh, <laughs> but the other thing is, uh, if you, I think they're called the N95 mask or whatever it is, um, whatever the the masks are, this length of beard should not interfere with that mask's function. So, okay, from what I the little bit I have read, I could be wrong. Uh, and I, I am wrong on many, many things, but, uh, my, my shornness, uh, but y- you know, all, all things like, like, listen, here's the deal. Uh, the Lord will provide, uh, and we, we were talking about a little bit pre-show, uh, I'm going to like, I was sick two weeks ago. And then this last week we did, um, a, a Bible study via zoom with some people from church and I miss those people. And it's just, this is hard. Like I, I've found myself just sort of missing my friends and family. I actually canceled. I, I, my, uh, the, the two guys I lift weights with, uh, I told them that until this thing sort of like blows through and is done, uh, like I'm, I'm not going to, because they have small children, uh, they're practicing social distancing and doing like this sort of like the, they're staying at home, staying isolated for the most part. And, uh, I'm not going to potentially expose, like, you know, expose them to that. Yeah. And, and, and so I, and it's just been difficult, but you know, um, it is what it is. Uh, and you know, in this time, I, I think like my biggest sort of exhortation and challenge in all of this is like, listen, like just because you do have a lot of like time at home and stuff, uh, let's, let's not, especially as Christians, let, let's just try to be wise with that time. Uh, look for ways, even I'm going to tell you right now too, I think like be calling people in your churches, like, you know, be, be calling your family, be talking to people, be reaching out, um, pray with them. Just let them know that you're thinking about them and encouraging them. It, it, it probably means the world. Like, you know, Micah, you, we were, and, and Josh, we were talking about it and it's like, I, I get it. Like today, there were a lot of people who wanted to sort of like come out and say, oh, give me the mail. And they're like, you're hungry for that human contact. Uh, and at the same time, yeah. like it was driving me insane today. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, do so far we're, we're, we're healthy. Um, no real complaints. Just, just tired. Par for the course. Uh, I've been, you know, I'm getting old. So, or older. So. <laughs> How about you guys? I mean, like, you know, uh, tell me what that sweet quarantine life is like. Being not being, <laughs> like, being able to like work from home. 
Well, it has just been uh, a single day so far. I, I have still been working a bunch uh, just because I do tech at my church. And so like, even though the actual um, campus is closed uh, on Sunday, we are still streaming a service, even though that's very limited as to the amount of people who can actually be there. Uh, we are streaming. And so we wanted to get the stream as good as it possibly can. So it's it's kind of a different way. Like we streamed before kind of on the side, we were testing it. Um, but now it's like that is the main focus. So everything from the lighting to the audio to uh, to the point that I don't even have the main speakers on. I'm just listening in headphones because I want to know how it sounds on the stream, not how it sounds in the room, things like that. Um, so I've been working a lot this past week to make sure that that is as good as it possibly can be with what we have. So uh, it's it's actually been quite a long week of work. Today was my first day of uh, actually working from home because now uh, the restrictions have gotten tighter. And I mean, now that that stuff is, now that all the physical stuff is in place there, I can spend more time at home just working on the computer. So, it, I mean, how did today, today was great. I kind of basically took a half day though because I worked so much last week, so... I, I I guess I'll I'll update you more next episode. <laughs> Micah, what's it looks like for you? Yeah, uh, kind of the same. You know, doing this is our uh, my start of my second week working from home. Um, uh, I have three kids, ages mm-hmm. um, nine down to four. So, uh, and uh, my wife Emily homeschools all three of them. So nice. there's just a lot going on during the day. You know, we don't have uh, the largest house in the world, but. Um, uh, so, you know, kind of got to get on the other side of the house and, you know, can do my work and stuff um, all remotely pretty easily. So that's that's a blessing to be able to do that and still, you know, get work, um, you know, functionally done. Um, but, you know, I'm a I'm an introvert by nature. So this has all been kind of all right. You know, not a whole lot has changed, honestly. Um, but, you know, I was telling you all beforehand, even. Even me, I've been antsy to try to like get out more, like try to like, like I'll go to the grocery store today <laughs> or whatever, yeah. um, and those those types of things. But um, it's going well. Um, been uh, you know hanging out and playing with the kids more, which is always awesome. Um, not really more video game time, just kind of yeah, just spending more time with the family, and uh, yeah, doing that sweet work from home life. But yeah, it's going all right. It's going pretty. Let good. me let me ask you a, a question here, just sort of like. I've heard one of the things I've heard is that uh, sort of a lot of companies have been really hesitant to sort of move into the work from home model. Uh, Do you think given the week that you've already been doing this, that like this is a maintainable model for you? Or do you think that like, I mean, I know for some people that this, this works all the time and whatever, but I'm just kind of curious as to, because a lot of people are saying this could be one of the things that sort of shifts the paradigm as far as that culture goes. And a lot more jobs could just yeah. become sort of a work from home sort of scenario. Yeah, I've had a lot of thoughts on this lately, uh, obviously, as everyone's sort of shifting or a lot of people are shifting to remote work. Um, well, first and foremost, there's not going to be much that can replace a good face-to-face meeting when you're you know trying to collaborate. You know, yeah. that's just that, that there's a premium on that, but um, that's true. That's with my podcast, line of work, so, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding. No, but with your line of work, but... <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> I, I'm totally. Uh, 
with 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 my line of work. So I, I work with a bunch of um, programmers and stuff, and mm-hmm. we can easily get our jobs done um, uh, remotely. So you know, we've been um, you know getting on Microsoft Teams in the morning, and you know, doing you know collaboration there. Um, it's it's not bad. Um, it's all about kind of your personal work ethic, and you know, some people it's a huge distraction to work remotely, and they just can't do it. Um, or you know they just can't do it for you know outside reasons that that that, that they can't control. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's really sustainable. And I think I saw a quote from some CEO. I can't remember where it's from, but he's saying how there's going to be a lot of companies that sort of um, go through this time, and they're going to sort of wake up to how remote work can actually work. Mm-hmm. And you know there, some policies are going to be changed and stuff. So um, I think a lot of people, you know hate it, but there's a lot of people that are in it right now that are like, yeah, this ain't bad. I'm able to get more done. I'm more productive or what have you. So I think it's definitely something that could change permanently. Me and my wife were just talking earlier today about how there's some things we're probably not going to go back to after all this. This has really changed things um, just as a society. Um, and uh, this is kind of one of them. I think there's going to be a lot more remote work you're going to see just throughout many different industries. Yeah, yeah I, I, I just, and, and for me, that's always been the big thing too. Like when I've not, I mean, listen, I'm never going to be able to be a remote laborer. Like, you know, if, if like I, Why I not? Yeah. just order it on y- Amazon. Yeah. I'm just kidding. You're the worst, Joshua. Um, <laughs> I know. No, that's stop there. Um, but, you know, I think, it's it's interesting that you did point out that for some people this is just not going to be an option because basically my 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 entire sort of premise with the the remote work the work from home sort of model is it takes a, a fairly disciplined individual and so there are some people who are just yeah they're just not sort of self driven in the way that it's going to be beneficial for them and so I think. Right that this is definitely going to help establish like a new sort of labor work from home paradigm. But I think there's going to be a lot of sort of like after we sort of get through Corona and sort of things sort of level out again, there's, there's going to be a season of sort of like a couple of years at least where I think like balancing all of that, because it's not, it's not necessarily a healthy option for everybody. But that's just, it's just, and again, yeah. like I said, I don't have a, a dog in the fight, so to speak. So, well, do you guys just want to sort of roll into the backlog report? Let's do it. I, Let's do it. Let's report on the stuff that's not work stuff, mm-hmm. the game stuff, and the reading stuff. So, Micah, as our guest, you can go first or last. It's it's up to you, man. Okay, or you can so go in the we, middle. Um, you can go wherever you, wherever you want to go. <laughs> I have uh, well, I've been reading sort of a couple of things, but um, I'm slowly going through uh, a book by Arthur W. Pink called "The Attributes mm. of God." Um, just a little small. Uh, that book is dope. There used to be, yeah, it's just these short little chapters, three, four, five pages on a okay. different attribute of, of of God. You know, it could be the knowledge of God, the wrath of God, the foreknowledge of God, um, and it's these little bite-sized kind of. Uh, uh, you know, snippets, very digestible where you, um, you know, it just gives you a more intimate appreciation for our God and sort of, you know, what, what makes up his character. Um, 
So I've sort of been reading that with a coworker who sits in front of me, used to sit in front of me um, before we started remote working, um, <laughs> and uh, reading that with him because um, he, he had never read it, but uh, sort of reading that on the side sort of slowly as he's going through it. But I just picked up um, a couple of birthdays ago. My mom got me uh, David Platt's Counterculture, mm-hmm. and so I finally started reading that. Have you guys ever mm-hmm. read anything by Platt before? Uh, that book that he wrote, co-wrote, a series of books with Francis Chan. And then I think that was called Radical, maybe. And that Yeah, that and was then he, right. Whatever his I think his first book. Or maybe that was Radical. I think it was Radical, actually, was his first book back in twenty ten. Yeah, that was like the one that sort of put him um, on the map. But I liked it. Yeah, and, and this book is is really similar. It's you know, it's about sort of that um, you know, he sort of sees a lot of American Christians um, living in excess when we're sort of, you know, called to to deny ourselves and to and to live meekly and and humbly and um, and you know uh, so so anyways counterculture is I, I just I'm only a couple of chapters into it but you know he he's applying the gospel to to just a number of different you know hot cultural issues like um, poverty or abortion um, ethnicity religious liberty. And um, you know, kind of putting it through this through this American lens that we have, and you know, kind of comparing us to you know other cultures. You know, when for example, he talks about poverty and how you know it's like, look, if you if you have a roof over your head, clothes on your back, food on the table, access to water, um, access to transportation, even if it's public transportation, you're richer than fifty percent of the people in the world. Um, and so, basically, you could say, you know, pretty much most of all of of America. Um, excuse me, most of all of uh, impoverished America, quote-unquote, you know, people that we would say are on the lower income side in America are still richer than a lot yeah, of other yeah. cultures. And a lot the of other Ameri- the um, I was just how, gonna, uh, a quick sorry, sort ahead. of statistic, and I could be wrong on this, but I think I was reading something here a couple of weeks back that said that the American poverty line is 35 times higher than the global average. Yeah, there's some pretty staggering stats when you look at it, but uh, I, I won't go too much into it. But you know, he he sort of is calling us to um, you know, uh, for the average uh, American Christian, we're probably not giving um, maybe mm-hmm. like we should. You know, not he's not trying to send a, a super guilt trip on anyone, but um, he's saying just to examine it and to, to to be in prayer about it. About you know, what could you be doing more? And he puts in this little quote here from um, from C.S. Lewis that I'm going to I'm read off here. I'm I'm starting off. This is Platt right here. Um, As with living simply, there are no specific answers here regarding what uh, what that should look like for uh, each one of our lives. Excuse me, that should look like in each of our lives, families, or churches. But here I offer some of the most helpful advice I've received concerning how much we ought to give, and it comes from C.S. Lewis. And here's Lewis. I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditures on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things, uh, excuse me, there ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charity expenditures exclude them. Mm. And so I thought that was, the, I thought that was well yeah. put. You know, if, there, if, we're, if we're just, um, 
you know, it's it's kind of a uh, overplayed analogy, but you know, we pray a lot of times about like, oh, I'm going to um, support this missionary or whatever. Like, and you pray about it, and you like, oh, the Lord is shut. You know, and it, it may be a lot of money involved or whatever, but then, you know, are you praying about? Um, you know that new video card you want to buy, or that new game, or whatever that that you know that new expensive thing that you're not going to think about, that new TV, the vacation, whatever else. Um, and you know, again, not to say that those things are wrong in and of themselves, or not, not at all. But um, we should be examining our our lives more and sort of our hearts and where we're putting, um, you know, our finances. And, and I think C.S. Lewis puts it well here that you know if we're not pinched a little bit or not put out a little bit by the fact that, you know, it's like, well, maybe I can't go out and do that thing that I want to do with my friends because it's just not in the mm-hmm. budget this week, you know, um, because, you know, uh, I was, you know, giving charitably and, and um, you know, I was, I was obeying the Lord's uh, tuggings. Um, so that's, uh, that's sort of what the book is about. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, fan of Platt and his preaching, so I'm finally getting around to reading this, but it's, um, again, just a couple of chapters in, but it's, it's yeah. really good. So that is what I've been reading. Um, as far as what I've been playing, uh, I'm going to go back a little bit because I've been playing a good bit, um, not not mm-hmm. too much. But um, after the new year, I wanted to get into a big uh, open world game, and Days Gone was on sale. And so I picked up Days Gone for the PlayStation 4. Um, this is a game by uh, Sony Bend. It's their first kind of... They've been known for their uh, siphon filter games in the past, but it's their first kind of big open world kind of... It's really the first game they've put out in a long time. Um, I think the only one for PS4. But uh, this is a really extremely solid game. Um, it's very Far Cry-like in its uh, open world mission structure. Um, it's third person, um, but... Uh, it's a, a typical uh, post-apocalyptic sort of zombie uh, thing going on, but um, what makes it fun is that you're on um, you're always riding around on a motorcycle. You're in this sort of um, biker gang uh, that uh, so you're always all, all your everyone's uh, riding around on motorcycles, and that is a lot of fun just from getting from A to B on your bike and you know just you you like ride by a zombie just blast them with a shotgun on you <laughs> as you're driving blinds like see ya you just keep going hitting ramps or I watched, whatever. I watched um, a clip that you posted of you ramping off and like crashing into a bear <laughs> I couldn't see over the hill and I just rammed off and I just I t-boned a grizzly bear <laughs> and I fell off my bike I think I can't remember what happened but I got off and, and started shooting the bear because I wanted to skin it and sell that skin <laughs> Um, Dang. but oh man, it was hilarious. I just couldn't see it. I just, I, I wrecked this grizzly bear. I was, I was full throttling, uh, the, the, the bike, but, um, that game's a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's, it was slightly underrated, but that's like a solid, like eight out of 10 game right there. Um, Dang. I've also been playing a, a really interesting, uh, and fun and unique game that's available for pretty much everything. PC, switch, PS4, Xbox, um, Sayonara Wild Hearts. Have either of y'all seen this or I've, played I've it or seen anything? It. I actually got Apple Arcade to play it, and then I canceled my Apple Arcade description. Uh, ascription? Subscription. Jeez, I can't talk. <laughs> this is going to be a good one. Um, my ascription. Uh, um, but, and then I saw it's, it's out on Switch and PS4, so at some point in time I'm going to Probably the PS4 version, just because trophies, and I'm that kind of guy. 
Yeah, same for me. So I picked up on PS4, and man, this is... I had a hard time trying to figure out how to describe this game on the podcast, so I just went to the website, and I'm going to read how they describe it. A dreamy arcade game about riding motorcycles, skateboarding, dance battling, shooting lasers, wielding swords, and breaking hearts at 200 miles per hour. That is the description. I appreciate that. I like that. I dig it. (laughs) All right. Uh, but but basically what it is is it's a um, it's a pop album uh, like a, a musical album put to a video game so it's mm. that's kind of how I'm approaching it it is first and foremost a musical album and it has got some humdinger songs on here some really good songs me and the kids have been jamming out in the car to them um, uh, so it's it really fantastic music but the the gameplay is structured uh, imagine. At least at first, imagine um, the game Thumper. Yes, have you uh, played that? I've played that. Yes, um, where you sort of are, are going down like a, a track, and you can uh, not like Thumper, but you can weave uh, left and right. Think of like an old school arcade racing game, like '90s arcade racing game, where it's like you're kind of just like going Road back Rash. and forth, left and right, on the track, collecting yes, collecting you know stars or you know collectibles or whatever, um, dodging things, and it's all to the beat of the music. And it is, um, it's not just that sort of gameplay, but it's a lot of sort of that tunnel rhythm uh, and uh, kind of uh, a split second reaction sort of gameplay. Um, so a very arcadey feeling, very bright colors, but, uh, that is a game I would very much recommend just try out. Um, you know, if, if you, if it, if you're unsure, just wait for a sale. It's about, you know, 15, 20 bucks. Um, but, uh, that's a good one. Sayonara wild hearts. And then lastly, I'll close with this one. I picked up a uh, concrete genie on sale, and okay. uh, th- that is a uh, PlayStation Four game, a third-person mm, just action adventure game, um, kind of a kind of an art house game, and, and it has a huge emphasis on art. So it's uh, like I said, it's a third-person game. You play as this little uh, 12, 11, 10 year old boy named Ash, and he's got he's an artist. He's always sketching in his in his sketchbook, and um, there are some bullies that come around, and kind of it's the game is a lot about bullying and some some of those things that uh, comes goes along with that. But basically, you use your magic paintbrush to paint uh, throughout your city and kind of bring it back to life. And it's just a fun little. Um, it's a short, maybe you know, eight to ten hour game. Um, but uh, it's from a, a developer called Pixel Opus, who developed this game Entwined for PS4. Mm. I don't know if you remember okay. that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice little game. It, it wasn't uh, too overly impressive, but it is it is fun. Um, uh, I know that um, it's sort of flown under the radar here recently, but it's been out for a few months now for PlayStation Four. But yeah, Concrete Genie is a solid game. Um, nothing too great, but it's 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 fun to to romp around in, and it's got a VR mode for for those with PlayStation VR. Nate, um, it's got a, got a little <laughs> mode you can mess around with. Uh, that's that's kind of fun if you have some move controllers. Um, See, I don't, I, I, I'm failing on that front in the, uh, the VR. We, we, oh, it's all good. We used to have like the old move controllers for the PS3, and I either lent them to somebody or traded them in because that's exactly what I use. I use the old PS3 ones. Yeah. I don't have any new ones. They work fine. But, mm. but anyway, that's all I've got. Nice. Nice. That's cool. So I was getting Sayonara Wild Hearts confused, and I don't know why, 
But in my head, I was getting it confused with Disco Elysium. Um, I did the same exact thing. I don't blame you. I I literally used it. Before I knew what those two games were, I did the same thing. So, yeah. Um, And and I know I... Both got nonsense names? Because they both (laughs) sound like... I mean, they both sound so. Just the name. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe just the images that are conjured up in my brain by those combination of words. Uh, I I don't know what it is. But anyways, I had to double check because I was like, this doesn't sound like. I had heard about Disco Elysium was kind of a, uh, not quite propaganda, but sort of propaganda. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like, wait, is this that game? And it, no, the, by your description, I was like, this can't be that. Anyways. So. Cyanar Wild Hearts is a very fun, very loving different. game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, yeah, I remember seeing that in like a it, some, I know uh, Switch just did their, or Nintendo just did their like indie showcase a couple weeks back, but um, I, I know they have highlighted that game before. So I think I know which one you're. I think I've seen yeah. a little bit of gameplay from it. So that's pretty Check cool. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'll need to after <laughs> I, I uh, go through my backlog and man, oh man, <laughs> so many. Um, speaking of which, I, I did. Well, you know what? I don't have to talk about pickups. Uh, but and I will say, Nate, oh, no, no, mentioned. No. Well, you might be talking about a game. I, I didn't pick up okay. very much, but um, it was on sale. Uh, Children of Morta was on sale, and I was like, "Oh, Ooh. I really, I really want to get that." I didn't actually pick that one up, not yet. Okay. It wasn't enough of a sale, but I was still just like, "Oh man!" I think it was like fourteen bucks, something like that. So I was like, uh, "I kind of want to." Um, didn't do that one, but you talked about, uh, or or maybe I just saw it on GG. I can't remember. No, you mentioned it on Discord. Um, Yoku's Island Express. Uh, oh, that so you good. played some of that one. And it was like six fifty on the eShop on Switch. So I was like, oh, I'll go ahead and pick that one up. So I picked it up. I haven't yet played it. Uh, but the games that I did play, I've actually uh, got my first platinum trophy over the course of the last... And I know, it's weird. The, the, weir- Golf so Golf the weirdest Golf. thing is that it is for it's for the nonary games okay so it's for both 999 and virtue's last reward and i didn't know that i would enjoy these types of games that's what's so weird to me it's like i didn't know awesome. that i'd enjoy them especially to the extent to which i actually went and did everything in them and i get it i think i i think i mentioned this in the discord as well like often Visual novels or those types of games, adventure games are like easy platinums. And I totally get that's probably why I ended up getting the platinums because it's not it's not necessarily difficult to get. You don't have to go like too crazy into how you play the game. You kind of naturally get a lot of them. But because I'm a completionist and because of the way that the stories are told in these games, like I wanted to see it from every angle. And so you kind of naturally stumble on most all of the Mm -hmm all of the um, trophies because of that. So uh, anyways, long story short, I really enjoyed Virtue's Last Reward. It's a lot longer than 999, um, but they really flesh out the characters. It, I think it has a better story than the first one. Um, I, I think all around it is better. Uh, there's some stuff that I don't want to get into because it's like spoiler territory, um, but I, I did really enjoy it, obviously enough to absolutely get everything in the game. So there's that. Um, but I also, I finished two other games between, so between 
the last episode and this episode, I've finished three games, which is crazy because I think that mm. like doubles how many games I finished this year. <laughs> but it's because I was towards the end in, in a bunch of them. One of them is Resident Evil 2, and we'll be talking about that one. So I don't want to talk about it right now. Uh, but the other one is Celeste. I finished that one up. Yeah. Um, and that is a fun little game. I got, uh, I was a little over 1,600 deaths. Um, and that's just, that's just my first like playthrough. There's so many unlockable things in this game and so many more like difficult types of levels that, that it's ridiculous. Um, I might go back and try and get some of the collectibles, but man, it, uh, it can be pretty rough. Um, the, the rhythm that you get in is great because you just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. It's almost like a little puzzle. And then when you figure out the puzzle, then it's a matter of Twitch reflexes. Cause then it's like, I know what I need to do. I just need to actually do it. And I need yeah. to hold left until this point, And then I need to hit a, and then hold diagonal upright in order to do it. And if I don't make that turn fast enough, then I'll go into the spikes and start right over again. Um, but yeah, it's a really good game. It, I will say it's a lot of kind of what I expected because I had heard kind of going into it um, the, the the story is about, you know, the, the game's about climbing a mountain. And so it's a metaphor, fool. Um, so it, it is. And I think it was done really well. I mean, like, I will say it was done better than I had expected, but I kind of knew where it was going from the beginning. Um so it didn't, you know, it didn't bowl me over, but at the same time, it was very, uh, it was heartwarming, I will say. And it was done well. You, you really kind of connect with the, the main character, even if she is a little mopey. Um, it's still, it's still emotional. Um, so Celeste, I would, I would recommend it with the caveat of if you're getting older and your reflexes aren't that great, I could see it frustrating the snot out of you but there are some fantastic um accessibility options we'll say in the game that you can tweak such as um i think uh like just the speed of the gameplay like how you control maybe and okay like jumping like how many times you can have an extra jump or whatever you can have like an unlimited amount of those or something like that there's That's all sorts right. of ways you can tweak it just to where like okay i'm really having a hard time in this one way so let me tweak this one little thing. And okay, it's still difficult, but I'm no longer getting hung up on this one thing. Nice, nice. I didn't change any of that during my playthrough, hence the 1,600 deaths. Um, yeah. But that's, that, that's good to know. I, I will say also that it, there, I can't remember when, but there are little like um, things, you know, like a, a pause screen or a loading screen, like little text blurbs and things like that. And they are genuine. They are generally very encouraging. I remember one that I that popped up on the screen that was basically like, "Don't think of your deaths as um, as as a negative thing. Like, just think of it as as like a method of progression or something. Something along those lines." And I was like, "Okay, right. it's trying to calm me down because I don't like seeing that counter grow up. You know, continue yeah. to grow." Um, but then, but it was like. Yeah, just keep going, you know, like this just shows how much better that you're getting. It's like, okay, thank you, game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to, you know, but if anyone is under the illusion that I'm actually good at video games, well, that's not the case because, yeah, 1,600 times lost before I actually beat it. So, but it's a good I'm trying time. to remember how many so times I died in that game. It was around 1,600 for okay. sure. I died a ton. Yeah. 
Yeah. Towards, I mean, especially with the last like world or two, it's just like, I don't care anymore. Like it just, I just need to do it kind of a thing. Yeah, definitely. Anyways, that one's a lot of fun. The music in that one's great too. Yes, agreed. It's got a fantastic soundtrack. Have you by chance played any of the B-sides yet? I I tried. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've opened like three of the B-sides and, or unlocked them. And I tried playing one of them early on, and that's where I really kind of cut my teeth on, like, a lot more. Like, the difficulty on that, I felt like was a huge spike from where I was at, even though I felt like the game starts pretty difficult. Um, But the B-side was so much more difficult that when I went back, I didn't actually finish it. I finally just had to be like, you know what, I can't do this, and just save and quit. And then when I did go back to the main game, I was a lot better at the normal levels. And so like mm-hmm. it helped me personally, even if I didn't actually finish it, but yeah. So, I mean, that's what I've played over the past couple of weeks. Um, I started reading just today, a book um, by Victor Frankel. It's called man's search for meaning. So Victor Frankel was in a concentration camp in Auschwitz. He was actually at four okay, different concentration right. camps. Yep. I've heard I've heard about and, this book. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's a short it's a short little book. So you can you can read through it really quickly. Um but it's it's sort of an autobiography, but it's also kind of like a psychological analysis of a lot of the stuff that he saw and um it's basically about kind of I mean his not his thesis, but sort of what the theme that kind of runs through it is basically the um that meaning that purpose can what causes people to continue to live basically so without any kind of meaning or purpose um that death is kind of just the inevitable outcome or you know like uh i, I don't even know how to explain it cuz i mean it's pretty heavy obviously he's talking about you know his time in a concentration camp but um it's it's really interesting. It's not I I don't believe he was a Christian because it doesn't it doesn't bring up any kind of like Christian themes except you know as a Christian you can see kind of like the Imago Dei and are I mean even some of like some presuppositionalism in there of just how uh, we were created for a purpose. Like, I mean, you know, you can't read something like that and, and his like holding on to hope in the midst of all this difficult stuff and not, I mean, I don't, I don't understand how you can not recognize that, that we were um, created with a purpose that we were, you know, yeah, just put on earth to actually accomplish something as opposed to just a random, you know, smattering of cells. So uh, it's been interesting. I'm not done with the book yet, but um, it's it's been interesting. So that's that's pretty much it. Like I said, working a lot, so Excellent. not too much to report on. But how about you, Nate? What you been into? Uh, well, as far as books, uh, some of my ESV readers, uh, I'm yep. uh, did not spend. Uh, I, I I had a couple of days where I was sick. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, it was not coronavirus. It was just a uh, post-nasal <laughs> drip. Uh, at least that's uh, what my doctor told me. So. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I did spend a little bit of time doing some some extra reading this week. I was mostly just the ESV readers. 
did read a, like a chapter or two of uh, Anna Karenina. Uh, yeah. And uh, like I keep meaning to just sit down and do uh, sort of like finish out the worksheet for the do more better and really sort of like get mm-hmm. cranking on that and sort of chug through that and then uh, move through the the uh, uh, the Everyday Matters book or uh, oh yeah the, the other one that I got. So, uh, but I, I've kind of, you know, been slacking there. And like I said, it's just been like, when I did go back to work, it just like at work, it's just sort of been like nonstop. And then, yeah, everything sort of there, uh, as far as memorization, yeah, yeah, didn't have a great couple of weeks, um, did find my memorization notebook. So I will be nice. sort of going back to that old format, uh, and just, reading that out loud i'm gonna start trying to do that at work instead of spending 30 minutes looking at facebook on my phone um (laughs) you know do do a little bit of reading and memorization uh as far as just general media i I would be remiss uh paul maxwell had a new episode out on uh with uh i could look up the name of the guy i just listened to it the other day last week and uh it's on the doctrine of illumination and it's heavy i mean uh i i listened to it and just when there were times when i thought like i'm almost kind of like understanding what they're talking about and then <laughs> no uh with dr ike miller uh the doctrine of illumination it was interesting it's it's good it's worth a listen to uh on friday i started listening to i've got about 20 minutes left uh but uh the reform forum uh, all that is in God with James Dolezal. Uh, Dolezal, uh, hmm. I, I think that's how I said was was pretty good. It talk, it's sort of talking about it, a bunch of different stuff. But li- but like you, well, I had a couple of sick days, and so that that does sort of like, <clears throat> ew, I've got the coronavirus. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't joke about that. I'm probably gonna get it and then like have trouble breathing for the rest of my life because I'm a flippant jerk um (laughs) but um if i didn't laugh i'd cry uh but uh so a couple of days sick i did spend most of that time playing video games because that's what one does when one's sick um at least that's what i did while i was sick so i beat resident evil and then i beat a second run on resident evil Mm-hmm. Um, now the second run, the official second run is actually an abbreviated run. Um, that sort of just lets you plow through some of the main story beats. Um, and it was interesting. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, but we will talk about that more here in a little bit. So you mentioned Yoku's Island Express and I had picked that up a while ago. Uh, and I actually own it on switch and PS4. I just realized this. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I sat down and I, over the space of like two or three days, I played this snot out of it and beat it. It's like maybe eight, nine hours long uh, to just Mm. beat the game. Uh, And I want to go back and play it again because it's nice. Fantastic. It's charming and weird. And I love it. And uh, this is not at all what I was envisioning in my head when you said uh, Yoku's Island Express. I was imagining some sort of 
anime RPG. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's okay. So the premise is it's sort of like a, a Metroidvania in, in some ways, but all, but all like the screens and boss fights and stuff are through these like pinball mechanics. And it's so much stinking fun. Like instead the, the of pinball- Samus, you're a dung beetle. Yes. <laughs> a dung beetle. Oh, is he actually a, a dung beetle? Yes. Oh, nice. You, you can get like so, these. So pinball is one of the main mechanics, like yeah. one of the primary mechanics. Of, okay, I think I remember when this game came out now. I think I remember this one. Yeah, it's been out for a little bit. Like I'd probably say about a year. Um, and uh, But Megan's actually been playing the mess out of it too. Uh, so nice. it's something that, uh, we, you know, and it's just, it's fun. It is just fun. It's just like one of those games that, you know, there's just enough sort of like the the pinball because because it's a pinball sort of mechanic there's just not a ton of precision but the game doesn't punish you for that most of the time kind of sort of i don't know it's i I love it i think the music is fun my one sort of quibble is that i think like i think the art style is fine but i really would have liked to have seen them just do something a little more goofy or a little more like anime RPG. No, not even anime <laughs> RPG. Uh, no, uh, but I just feel like there's there is something like it's it's fine, it's fun, and it and it works. I, I, this is just like my preference sort of thing. Yeah, I, I don't think it. I think the the art style is fine. Um, so that I, you know, I told you earlier uh, pre-show, Josh, but I fired up uh, Octopath Traveler again, and I have mm. been playing that in mm. short bursts. And, that anime uh, RPG. That <laughs> it, sorry, anime not so much, but RPG very much. Uh, it's uh, it, well, it's definitely not like a Shonen Jump anime. It, yeah, it might be no. like some like sad boy anime. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> more. Yeah. But I've been playing that, really enjoying that, uh, and sort of. Been, I think what's nice about that, and this is really the thing, is like that you can play a half hour of it to 45 minutes of it and because it's on switch. So it just can go with me where I go. And it's just, I don't know. It doesn't feel like when I was playing persona five, man, it's just like, you, you feel like you're sort of like locked to the, the machine. Like you just have to mm-hmm. like, like I've got to get like four hours done. And, and I think like the thing is, just even the way that they sort of set up the chapters so far, and I could be wrong on this, but they they all seem sort of like fairly digest, like easy to approach, like an hour or two tops for like to, to finish a story, like a, a, a mm-hmm. chapter. And I'm like, that, that feels accessible. And I like that. There's something about that that I like and appreciate. Um, yeah. And finally, so we talked about how I've been having a bad week. Um, Oh, and, and I did pick up the nonary games for uh, my Vita. Oh, you did. Oh, nice. So I, I I will be probably like chewing through that at some point in time. Uh, I picked up a lot of stuff recently. I have a, ah. it was just a bunch of stuff on sale. And then I had like, mm-hmm. anyways, I had some credit and then anyways, neither here nor there. If anybody wants to see what I've picked up so far this year, I have a list on Gigi, um, but nice. Megan, 
surprised me today. And uh, she told me when I got home, she was actually going to buy me a copy, a physical copy, uh, because I prefer physical most of the time, uh, just because that's, you know, that's that's me now. Like, I'm just like, I, I, I don't trust the man, the physical. Uh, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. Don't like it. Um, but uh, she, when I got home, she was like, she was like, I was going to get you a copy. She's like, but one, if I order it from Amazon, it would get here three months from now. And she's like, and I'm not leaving the house. So, uh, Animal bought... Crossing. No. no. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> I'm so disappointed, Josh. <laughs> so disappointed. Um, this is like, I, I don't think I could pack any more disappointment into that sigh <laughs> if I tried. Um, no, she got me Doom Eternal. And uh, so I spent probably yes. an hour before we started recording doing a little bit of the good old Rip and Tear. Doot. Oh. The, the, the doot suit. The doot. <laughs> the, the doot uh, skeleton. Uh, the, the uh, what are they? The reef, Reavers? I, I forget what that particular enemy is. There's one of the, it's like the 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 big zombies that have like the rocket launchers and the jetpacks there's a skin for those because there's a mode that you can play but he has like little trumpets on instead of guns <laughs> so good. you can you get the, they call it the dude skin um but i so i i have doom eternal and it would i'll tell you what like i was i was determined to just wait it out and uh, you guys probably saw my tweet where i was like every time somebody you know tweets or comments or posts about how good doom eternal is and there's just me like you know andy circus is Gollum. i'm not listening i'm not listening <laughs> you know <laughs> but uh yeah so i have that and uh that's sort of been my my wrap up so So, nice. Resident Evil, you know, we we both beat Resident Evil 2. Well, I I beat it more than you did, Josh. You did. I, you did. I beat it more than you did. But Micah has beat it a lot more than I did. It's true. I've played how, it a few times. <laughs> how, are you keeping count? Do you know how many times? Um. I've got the platinum trophy for it. I don't know how many times it requires you to go through, but you can group some of those playthroughs together. At least five. Okay. Um, okay. If not six or seven or eight playthroughs. <laughs> um, <laughs> after after yeah. the initial playthrough, are they all second runs? No, not necessarily. Okay. Um, okay. Some of them can be, but uh, yeah, to satisfy certain trophies, it just depends. Like you've got to beat the game without using any health items. You got to beat the game with only using a, a pistol, maybe beat the game um, in under four hours. These types of things. Um, so you don't necessarily want to like combine a under four hour run with a you know no health 
spray run or something like yeah. that, maybe. Uh, th- things like that. But um, it gets quicker and quicker each time you play. Uh, Nate, you can probably know from playing the second run, you know, the, the first run will get you maybe 11, 12, 13 hours, like a standard length for a game like this. And then the second mm-hmm. run is like, what, five, six hours? Maybe? I think it took me seven. Uh, I had like a C a C run on my second round with Claire and I think it was seven or eight mm-hmm. hours. So I didn't, okay. I did not do great on that one, but yeah, but, it yeah, is significantly you, quicker though. As you start going through it, you start memorizing the, uh, you know, all the, all the maps and locations and stuff and where items are. So it just gets mm-hmm. quicker and quicker. And I think I mentioned pre-show, I think my fastest run was under two hours. So it's not that bad Ooh. to say like I did it again, you know, like I played another run of it. Yeah. Um, Sort of like in the way that Nier Automata works with its multiple endings. They're not all, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, you play the game for 30 hours again or anything like that. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I played it a bunch, and then I've I've played the original PlayStation 1 version um, a whole, whole lot. So, okay. you know, that, okay. that, that's, that's one reason why I'm so familiar with it and just a lot of it. Um, could go you know relatively quickly because I kind of know sort of where things are headed, but um, but yeah, uh, this game is is incredible. Um, you know, I guess if you don't mind, I can just go ahead and go go into some things. Uh, you know, I was talking about playing it on the PlayStation One. Um, <clears throat> Resident Evil Two was the first game I bought myself when I was uh, mm-hmm. I guess fifteen years old. I mm. bought a PlayStation One in ninety seven. This game came out in January of 1998, and um, I picked it up. It was the first game I actually bought. I'd just been like renting games or playing demo discs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got really familiar with this game, um, loved it. And then so when they finally announced the remake, I was all on board, ready to roll. And this game, Resident Evil 2 Remake, is like a master class in how to do a remake. Um, I was really smitten mm-hmm. with with another game that I hopped on the mic for, uh, Shadow of the Colossus, that uh, Blue Point Games remade for the PS4. Um, but this game is is different than Shadow of the Colossus as far as how they remade it. They took uh, you know all the things that you're familiar with as far as the plot and everything of the Resident Evil 2 story, and um, they took all the locations and they uh, enhanced them in ways. They, they just really took the source material and handled it with great care, and then and then put a little twist on it, altered just enough things to where if you're a veteran of the series and you you're a fan of the original game, you think you know what's going to happen and then you don't. Um, nice. An example of this would be early on in the game, um, in the original PlayStation One game, is you would be going through uh, the police station. And um, if you go through the, I don't know if you remember the map layout, but if you go through the front doors of the police station and you go down the left side, like the west side of the police station on the first floor, you're going to go through a a waiting room, basically, before you go down this really dark hallway. Mm -hmm. And there's a window there right before you go through uh, the door to that dark hallway. And in the original game, a liquor walks by the window on the outside of the building. And it freaks you out and gets you scared. Okay, liquor's around the corner. And there was a liquor in that hall when you go in that hallway. Yeah. Well, in the in the remake, you the liquor's not in that hallway. It doesn't walk by that window. You don't know where it is. So I'm getting, you know, multiple hours into the game. I haven't seen the liquor yet. Well, it's upstairs on the 
east side, or actually maybe it's on the west side, but it's upstairs, it's not downstairs. And that's just a, a nice little twist of expectations that the creators, you know, new fans would be of the originals would be looking for. Um, but uh, just like I said, handled it with, with great care, but, but offered a, a nice twist uh, to, to the remake. Yeah. Nice. I, 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 I kind of did wonder about the differences between uh, the original and the remake. It, I mean, aside from sort of just like the, that fine tuning and sort of like the little bit of twists, are the story beats pretty similar? I never yes, beat, I played RE2 a little bit on the OG PlayStation, but the, that was before I was really, before I started enjoying survival horror. That was pre Dead Space and pre Resident Evil 4. And when I, sure, playing those games sort of like, almost sort of like created like a, a situation that, I was like, oh, there's this genre that, like, I actually really enjoy this once I get through it. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's an interesting sort of, like, little sidestep, too. One of the things about this game is that that first playthrough is not what I would call fun. <laughs> I mean, when, when you're... When you're towards the end, like, I, I'd say easily, like, the first half of that game is just nerve-wracking. And I think that's a lot. Like, Wes was was going to potentially hop on the mics with us, too. Um, yeah. But even that, like, he, he was really struggling with that a lot. Um, and I, I would say, like, the first four to five hours, so maybe the first third of the game, really sort of puts you on edge. Like, but then once you sort of do sort of just get used to that world, you're trying to survive more than you're, you're being a, maybe, maybe it was for me, my play style, but I was just being a little more confrontational than I should have been. Whereas mm-hmm. the first half of the game, especially it's more just run away, just like, don't shoot things, stay away from them. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, and then. When, I mean, when I did the second run, even though I was like, I was less like, I'm going to kill everything that I can just because. Um, yeah. But it's like, once you hit that, like that sort of that, it's like, once you sort of hit the back nine, the game does sort of open up and it's, it's still not quite like the same, like power fantasy, but it does it like the, the tone sort of does shift to where it is. Like, you can sort of afford to be a little more confrontational. You don't have to run from everything i i definitely think like in, in some ways it's a master class of like just setting a mood and, and in a lot of ways like reminds me of dead space you know and that's sort of like that's the high water mark for me i'm waiting i i'm eagerly awaiting the day that dead space gets this sort of like treatment and uprising oh. um I'll, I'll never sleep again uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's it, it, it's a master's class in sort of just creating tone and, and sort of just, yeah, working on you a little bit. Yeah. Well, and to that point too, Oh, sorry, Micah, what were you gonna say? No, no, go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say the game starts off like the initial kind of gas station entrance. Uh, it throws you for like, it shows you your guns are not very powerful against zombies. Uh, you're going to get bit. And you might even die, you know, 10 minutes into your playthrough kind of a thing. Like it, at least my, uh, my experience was that it immediately like lays you bare towards like these, this, 
this is going to be a bit of a rough experience, you know, like this is not going in guns blazing. This is not Resident Evil four. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and Resident Evil four has some tense moments. Don't get me wrong, but just like, like you said, it, it teaches you like, you're not going to go in on the attack. You are always going to be on the defensive. Yeah. Well, with always with these Resident Evil games, um, I think the inventory system has remained relatively the same. I know 4's inventory system was, I believe, a lot like 2's as far as, you know, you're, you got limited slots, yeah. you got to you know, slot them in, you can get expansion packs and all those sorts of things to carry more items. But, you know, that inventory management, that uh, the way they do that adds to the, the anxiousness and the, oh, I've only got five handgun bullets and two shotgun shells <laughs> and i need to carry the spray and i need to carry this key like what do i take with me so you're always constantly thinking about those situations like okay i need to go upstairs i need to go the okay and so yeah you're working all that stuff out and that uh, and the other thing too like you said the, the zombies can take four five six seven eight bullets you know depending yeah. on where you're hitting them um so you know if that if all you're carrying is five bullets that's not going to get very get you very far right Dude, um I'm- I just wanted to like stop there for just a second because like the zombies in this game are stinking hard to kill. Like even headshots. Like yeah. you know, I would plug a dude eight times in the head and then I'd come back around and he'd be back up again. And I just I I, I remember like that worked on me. <laughs> For real. <laughs> yeah. It, it is really similar to Dead Space. I'm glad you brought that up because it is kind of that uh, claustrophobic corridor confined space you know it's not like mm-hmm. dead rising if you've ever played those games where you're just like slicing a katana through 10 zombies at once you know you like yeah. each one is a major hurdle to or potentially a major hurdle to to get by kind of like a souls game in a way i'm not comparing this to souls at all but yeah. you know each enemy carries weight is what i mean mm-hmm. um so uh so yeah you 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 get to a hallway with you know Two zombies and a, a you know a dog or whatever or a liquor and a zombie or whatever they get you know like you're overwhelmed. Oh, That's enough, you yeah. know. Um, so so yeah, I love and this is one of the originators of that and it, it, they captured the same thing back in PlayStation One. The they you know they basically sort of invented a survival horror genre. You know they wanted you to right. feel that strain with the inventory management that that adds to the fear. It's like oh crud, I have one green herb. I'm on, you know, caution or danger health or whatever, you know. So, you know, and I got to, I'm about to fight Lord knows what around this corner, um, you mm-hmm. know. So that anxiousness, um, you know, anytime I got like a new key, like you have the heart key, the club key, the diamond key, those types of things. Anytime I got a new key, I'm like, okay, who, what's going to be behind that door? <laughs> you know, those types of things. <laughs> okay. um, uh, you know, at least the first playthrough, obviously. But yeah, inventory management, huge. Um, I also want to talk about what I think. What I when I think back about Resident Evil Two, the original, and what they captured so well with this one, um, I think is, is sort of the stars of the game in a way are the locations. the the The, the story is good. It's okay. You know, it's kind of yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but but the locations, in my opinion, are so memorable, and partially do so because the map is so. And I think Josh, maybe you mentioned this briefly. In last week's episode, um, the map is so friendly to you as far as like sort of kind of telling you, yes. like, all right, you've gotten everything in this room now. And yes. you just sort of really memorize the rooms, as you, especially as you get a couple of playthroughs under your belt. 
Um, and so, like, the police station, I remember when I first walked in to the police station, it was like a nostalgic rush. You hear the music, and just in that hall, that huge open hall, um, you know, the, the, the sewers, when you go down and you know you got to fight that crocodile you know you know the crocodiles down there you know um the 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 nest the lab at the end of the game um are just just great set pieces that i thought really really added to the atmosphere and um and the tone of the whole game what did you guys think of that any thoughts on locations or anything like that or like level progression uh oh man yeah i'll i'll just say like I feel like the first half, and maybe it's just because you're kind of getting your bearings. Now, I I did finish the game with Leon. I started a second run playthrough with Claire, and I'm almost at the end, but I didn't actually finish it uh, before we before today when we're recording this episode. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've seen most, if not everything, in in terms of locations. Um, mm-hmm. But the police station to me feels like half the game. Like that feels, and maybe it's just uh, because you're getting your bearings. That's what I was going to say during that part. But I mean, you kind of leave and then go back and um, a lot of it opens up. Um, So I think you're right. Like that claustrophobia of like some of the hallways that are going on. Uh, you know, there's no lights in the halls <laughs> and things like How that. How about that the 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 prison hallway down in the by the parking garage downstairs? Mm-hmm. Um, and you gotta go through that hallway with some uh, jail cells on either end. Oh uh, yeah, or on either side of you, I That's should say right. that that hallway is particularly uh, haunting. Is I, I don't like going down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, well, the it, worst I, part about oh, that man. hallway is you know that you're going to come back at some point in time. You're going to have to open those doors. Like there's just like yeah. that game sort of like it's like I'm going to have to do something, and these doors are going to open. Oh, that's they build suck. that dread in you. That's mm-hmm. gonna suck. <laughs> yeah, I I'd say too, and maybe it's just because I just finished it on my Claire playthrough. Um, but in the sewers, when you're wading through sewage, and then those like those weird malformed beasts just like bust out of the water, uh, that gets me like almost every yeah. time because they just like shoot up out of the water and then they start spitting stuff at you and yeah uh, i don't like those guys um mm. and and i mean this is a very good looking game <laughs> and so when you're wading through sewage it just like feels uh gross it, yes yeah yeah i i think one of the things that i really appreciated about the game and it's interesting that you sort of brought up like dark souls and again it's not comparing it as far as like the the difficulty or the technicality of gameplay but how the map is really just tied together and how you just find like all these little like sort of you're like oh i'm i'm in the sewers now and then like you run up into this room and there's like you push a shelf aside and there's an elevator and where's that elevator Mm -hmm. take you into the basement of the police station oh (laughs) it's like and it's just like things like that were neat touches and just like the way that they did sort of tie the map you know frankly because there there isn't a ton of backtracking but there is a little bit of backtracking from time to time Mm -hmm. and so like that was really nice honestly like i i i like that and and honestly after you've been down in the sewers for a while and you're like you go back up into the the police station it's like 
dude, like that's a, that's a bit of a power trip because like everything up there, you're like, you know, even liquors, you're like, get out of my face, stupid. Like, yeah, it, it, it's like going back home is like, okay, I know this place, it's safe, and yeah, I I just like you know, you just take the the what is the the desert eagle, mm-hmm. uh, whatever their the the big mag is, and you just sort of just like. I remember just walking real slowly and the liquor's just standing there and I just, you know, very slowly, very calmly, very carefully and just plugged the thing two times in the head and just watched yeah. it drop. And I was like, oh, that's what you get. That's what you get. <laughs> oh, man. The liquors, in my opinion, are some of the most iconic, uh, probably the most iconic Resident Evil enemy. Um, so, yeah, liquors are just haunting anytime and i'll and and, um josh i don't know if you knew this but you can you know they don't they can't see you so Mm. if you're quiet you can just walk by them Um, i I tried that a few times and it did not work any you have to like the way that i did it when when i would do it is you bring up the aim mode so you're in that aim position because that slows you down anyways and then you don't do like a full stick you'd like you just nudge the stick uh, like yeah. uh, you feather the stick pretty much up until you start moving, mm-hmm. and then that's where you leave it, and it's slow. Mm-hmm. It's slow. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. you don't have to fight a liquor. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh no, those those things are uh, they suck. They either take my best ammo or like slash the snot out of me. Yeah. So so there's a point in the game uh, in the police station, uh, a helicopter. Uh, crashes into the police station, catches on fire, and you have to put the fire out. And you finally, uh, eventually, you go all around the police station. You put the fire out in uh, on on the helicopter. You walk into the hallway, and you're greeted by one of the best enemies in Resident Evil history, <laughs> Mister X. Uh, One handed lifts this helicopter out of the way. And begin stalking you for the remainder of the game. What did you guys think of Mister X, aka Tyrant? Um, well, I think you know how I, I feel about him. When we were <laughs> like, Mike actually hopped on uh, and, and was watching me play some of my second run, and he was like, nice. "Hey, did you get did you get the hats off trophy yet?" And I was like, "No." He was like, "That's the one where you have to shoot off his hat," and I was like, oh, "Okay, okay." <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the Why commencing would I stay like in the same room as him. There's like this this part where like I commence squealing like a little girl. <laughs> like he was like, oh, it's coming out. Yeah. Um. But he's I. Y- you know what? It's um. And I had my headphones on, and so you pointed out like the 3D audio, oh. and I hadn't really paid a ton of attention to that. But then like all of a sudden, I realized at one point in time like. Oh no, I can hear him like above and behind me. I was like, oh, that is terrifying. It's fantastic. It, it's one of it. I, I definitely wanted to bring it up, but Mr. X is the perfect segue to do it. it. The game has this absolutely fantastic 3D audio that I've not experienced in any other game, at least not this good. Um, but yeah, to your point, uh, Mr. X uh, begins stalking you and you. Oftentimes, we'll just hear his footsteps off in the distance, and you can tell yeah. this guy is literally on the floor above me, you know, or this guy is right right on the other side of that door. You know, if I open the door, he's going to be right there. Those types of things, and it 
Oh man, it adds this layer of fear that um, is just incredible. When you when you you've had a moment of peace away from Mister X, and you're like, all right, I'm getting some puzzles done, uh, you know, really kind of, and then you start hearing those footsteps, you're like, crap, <laughs> and you yeah. know they're coming for you. It's yeah. really really good, and it does a good enough job too about like mixing up like what rooms are safe and what aren't, like. There's enough stuff like were you watching while I was playing and we were like I was downstairs and he comes into that one room and it's just like like filing cabinets and stuff. And like all of a sudden the music kicked on. I was like, oh, crap. Okay. And then he busts through the door. I was just like there was a part where I was like, I don't don't know. I was just I was like, oh, (laughs) you know, my response like it, it got a visceral response out of me because it was like I heard him. I heard him. I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden, like the music kicked on, I was like, "Oh no, this is bad." <laughs> um, but uh, that's me and my melodrama. Um, Josh, what what did you think about Mister X? Oh no, I mean, it, he could definitely be annoying when it's just like, "No, I'm just trying to get to you know this place on the map." Like, does he have to be here? Um, it is it is funny uh, this something in in my second playthrough rather than my first. So well, first of all, yes, all the things that you guys have said, he's terrifying. Um th- there's no way to fight against him. You just have to like run, which sucks because when you run, then other zombies like recognize you. So if you did instead of killing that zombie, which you generally should do, not kill them, but like you know, knock out their legs or something like that. Well, now you're running in the opposite direction and all those zombies can like come after you um, or you have to, you know, sneak around, but you can't sneak because tyrants after you, like, yeah, he added a dynamic to this game. And anytime he shows up, you're just like, yeah, like you said, Nate, you just kind of freeze of just like, Oh no. The, the part where you um, go onto the balcony and you go down uh, sort of, Close to well, yeah, that is like when he first shows up, because um, you put out the helicopter with the water, and uh, and when he's out there, man, it just yeah, it's 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 terrifying. That said, it is funny when you hang out around like a safe room and he's really close because he literally will not cross the threshold of the door, yeah. so. Um, so you can like hear him walk away and he can like walk to the other side of a room and you open the door and he like turns around and heads towards you. But then as soon as you step back into that door, he can't get, he can do his like little lunge punch, whatever. So you need to back up a little bit, but he will never cross like his feet will never cross the threshold of that door. And so it's kind of fun. You can play with him. I was, I was yeah. playing with him a little bit cause I just thought it was funny. Um, cause he's such a menacing figure. But uh, but the yeah. game is nice to you in that okay if if a safe if it's actually a safe like you're going to be safe you're not you don't have to worry about him like everywhere else in the game where you do or everywhere else in the the police station so no I mean I I thought he was great and he was terrifying did sure. you Josh do you remember that part where like he punched through the back of the press room wall. Like you're going down a hallway or whatever, like you're in the bottom and he like, he, I think it's a scripted moment, but he punched through, like Mm -hmm. he basically busts this giant hole in the wall. It's like, and I was just like, I was like, I I just remember that, like that threw me off. I was like, oh, 
how often are they going to let him do this? <laughs> Where, mm. like, instead of opening mm. a door, he's like, ah, I'm just going to walk through this wall. No. I was like, <laughs> like, I, that was the only time it happened. But that once was just so incredibly unsettling. Like, so I was yeah. just like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> that, no. that. That is actually something you can miss. And, and Josh, judging by your okay. face, it looks like you did. You did potentially yeah, I, miss that. I think that. I did. I, I think I, I only know. had it happen to me one time out of like my six or seven runs or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's a, a sort of a classic throwback to the PS One game. Um, ah. uh, but yeah, he can he can bust through certain walls and uh, it creates a new path for you. You can get out, but um, but yeah, it scares the bejesus out of you. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so let's. I think too, like circling back around, you did bring up that. Okay, so we have the police station, a.k.a. the old museum art gallery sort of thing. And that is a bit of a character. Um, but then you've also got the sewers. You've got the machine shop. You've got uh, the, the well, the sewers and sort of like that underground tram sort of. And then you have yeah. Nest. Okay, yeah. And um, mm. I'll tell you, like, honestly, Nest was, I think, the one that sort of got to me the most. Like, okay, so walking through the sewers is gross. And like there were moments where it's like, especially like when you have the like at that point in time, I was sort of like so sort of in tune with the the game. Like so, like you 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 mentioned Josh. Like I think that's just like the mature G virus or whatever. Like, but like the big hulks with the tentacle arm and they'd spit the things and you would have to shoot yeah. the giant eyeball. They were gross, but I think at that point in time, like you're sort of powered up enough that like you can sort of deal with them fairly quickly. Um, they're not as big a threat. Like you pick up the flamethrower as Leon mm-hmm. at that point in time. And so like, they're fairly easy to deal with in, in a way, but like when you get down in the nest, like it's that sort of like that pristine, super clean, super like modern scientific environment. And then it's like zombies. And then you even get like the plant zombies, which I really stink and hated as Claire. <laughs> like I didn't mind them so much oh, as okay. Leon, because Leon uh-huh. had the flamethrower, but in order yeah. to get rid of them, uh, like to set, do like the whole set them on fire thing, because like the only way you can actually get rid of them, get rid of them, is like burn mm-hmm. the downed corpse. Right. So Leon's like flamethrower, <laughs> like done. Like you don't have to burn, expend that much fuel with the flamethrower. With Claire, right. she's got like that rocket launcher, shotgun sort of thing, and the only way to get rid of them is with the flame rounds, and those things are like hot, hot tickets. So I was like, yeah. and they're just Dang. annoying, but that, that nest really creeped me, creeped me out. There was like that. It was, I think it was, like I said, this sort of like the, you have like the really clean, really pristine sort of like science, you know, sort of super high tech lab. And then sort of like the, the encroaching sort of like rot and creep of the, the zombie plant zombie sort of menace thing like there was something about that that just sort of like that was the one like that was the one level that sort of like and i knew i mean i know that's like that's towards the end and everything but like that's the level that sort of like gave me the like the museum slash police station is creepy but nest is really where i was like the sewers i'm like ah yeah it's, it's gross it's like but like nest was the one that like sort of like as far as like just like the most jarring I guess. 
Hmm. Uh, I would, I hmm. would have to sort of give it to that one. Yeah. Uh, so what else you got for us, Micah, that, that you feel like we need to, you, you want to pick, pick our rookie brains on? Well, I mean, you know, we can kind of go wherever you guys want. Um, we haven't talked about the story at all. I know I kind of uh, dismissed it earlier, but what thoughts did you guys have? And uh, I, I am particularly interested in what you thought of the Claire stuff with uh, Police Chief Irons and Sherry. Oh. Um, and that, in my opinion, is it gets dark, but it's one of the more... Um, uh, just intriguing story facets, I guess. Maybe because it involves mm-hmm. a kid. But but anyway, any any thoughts on the story? Oh uh, man. Uh, so my my first thought goes a different direction. So I'll give my second thought um, to what you said about the the part with Sherry. Um, I I do think it brings in an element where like you know the the main story you know William and Annette. And, and that kind of a thing, uh, bringing about the the virus itself, that's kind of like boilerplate, if that makes sense. And um, you don't feel for them at all. They're just like, okay, evil corporation. You know, we're just mm-hmm. going to fight this evil corporation kind of a thing. Whereas, like, when you start to uncover some of the stuff about Police Chief Irons, I was kind of like, oh, this is really messed up. Like... The fact that the orphanage was like that he was the head of the orphanage in the, oh man, as Sherry, you go and you see the different uh, diaries of the different kids who are talking about like, oh, I got adopted. Mm -hmm. Not really. He came back and now he's having night terrors and his skin is falling off. And it's just like, dang, this is messed up. Well, and then there's another, there's another part when you get into the, um, like irons the chief's his like office or or his taxidermy area and he has like notes on his when he when he killed the animals in order to to do the taxidermy thing and you're just like this dude is is the worst (laughs) like just he just talks about how much he enjoys killing animals when he did like a Going back to the taxidermy sort of notes, so he talks about killing the lot or the tiger and mm-hmm. some other like the deer and then the tiger, and he he's kind of there's some gross kind of almost explicit language, but then he uses yeah. the word pig, and it, just the way he that that entry was a little unsettling. I was like, and like even there, I was like, eh, this, this was a human being. He killed he killed a human. Right. He killed a person, and it was just like weird and nefarious. Did you, by chance, either one of you spend any time in the extra modes at all? Like, yeah, I did a little bit. The, I'm kind of interested in playing because I know that the one you play as her, the girl that irons. Yeah, yeah. That whole yeah, that whole like Sherry. Sherry's story left me honestly like creeped out. Like that was like Mm -hmm. that because everything is sort of like everything else is sort of like, yeah, boilerplate horror. And it's like zombies, evil pharmaceuticals, whatever. But then his is like, like, like where they're evil in the sense that they're sort of blinded by their own ambition. Like this Mm -hmm. man is like legitimately sick. Like, right. Yeah. It's not 
and and that kind of like just that's like kind of like one of those things that just did a little did a little bit of work on me uh you know and and that hide like the the hide and seek for the hide and seek trophy like finishing sherry's segment where you have to like run Mm -hmm. away from him that was probably my least favorite part of the game because there's no part of that game like everything else there's a little bit of vindication there's a little bit of like the power fantasy comes back and you can like you hit a point where you can fight back like but with him it was just like no there's just you have to yeah it was just spooky you you know what i'm saying like i just yeah yeah so yeah, well, th- that whole story beat, you know, for me at least, had the biggest impact. Um, again, probably because it okay. dealt with a kid. Yeah. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just a, a lot of the back uh, backstory and lore you get through the um, through the notes that you pick up in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you you realize that, um, or you'll you'll learn that. Even excuse me, um, Annette and William Birkin, um, you know, they realize that the G virus, you know, performs better in children, which is, and now the, you, you uh-huh. sort of see it, that's why they even had Sherry to begin with, was Ugh. so that they could experiment on her, and uh, the, you know, so the Umbrella is this corporation running everything, and they have um, the police station as part of it. They're uh, blackmailing the police chief because they have all this dirt on them basically so they're like hey you're going to run our orphanage which is basically our incubation lab to for for testing kids essentially mm-hmm. so uh, that <clears throat> if you, you some of that might be lost if you didn't pick up all the all the notes and stuff but um and then you just see kind of the the CD dude that he is um you know that 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 whole section was was pretty um poignant i guess whereas a lot of the rest of the game sort of lacked in any sort of poignancy whatsoever i feel like mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah it, it is a really dark sort of subject matter but um but still had an impact where like i had more motivation when i was playing during that section i was like i want to get irons i want to get chief irons you know back yeah. or whatever <laughs> um so yeah yeah. The the only other thought that I had on the story is actually not necessarily the story itself, but the characters and I guess the way that they were written. And maybe, I mean, I'll just throw this out there. It's because I was also playing Virtue's Last Reward at the same time. So this game that's like, the the core of the game is about the characters. Um, the interactions between the characters in this game is are funny to me. And I get yeah. that the first Resident Evil is schlock. And so... Um, I I understand it, but like Leon and Claire meet up and in like 10 minutes, they are best friends. And every time they see each other, they're just like, oh, it's you. I can't believe it. And it's like, (laughs) dude, you don't even know her. Like, she doesn't even know you. Like, what are you talking about? I thought that That, was funny. That is is one aspect that um, I was a little disappointed with how how the remake handled it in the PlayStation One version, there was a better handling of the A and B scenarios and how okay. they inter interwove uh, them together. Uh, for example, you'd have way more just story beats and cutscenes of where you that you'll cross paths with Leon or Claire and have some interactions. Okay. Or like for example, if you pick up 
an item, you can leave it in the um, in the drop box uh, for Claire in the second run. Uh. As you know, things like that, to where you actually have gameplay implications to the first and the second run a lot more than what the remake did. So that was a little um, bemoanable, but I absolutely get where you're coming from with that, Josh. It's like, yeah, they meet back up at the at the chain link fence gate or whatever, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, Claire, how are you?" You know, and it's like, wait, you just you had one 15 minute conversation in a car and yeah, then it exploded. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. No, I get the whole end of the world thing, you know, like y'all are together, but like you seriously don't know who this person is at all. And you're acting like, you know, like potential girlfriend material. So it it was, it was just funny and it's a video game. It's not a big deal, but like I said, it could also be what I was playing at the time too. I think to a lesser extent, there's there's that similar, I had a similar feeling with Claire and Sherry, at least at first, because it's like, as soon as she meets this kid, it's like, okay, my new goal in life is to take care of this child. And it's like, I don't understand why, but it, I mean, for the sake of the game to lead her to, you know, where she was going, I, to- I totally get it. But it was just written, it, it was just funny to me. It was funny. Anyways, I didn't yeah. want to share that after you just asked about police chief irons. <laughs> kind of a different uh, tone yeah. there. Well, th- there's two like going the 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 whole uh, Leon and Ada thing. That's super weird. Um, yeah, because it's like he meets someone, this woman who basically sort of like threatens him a few times, and then kind of like saves him, and she's weird and. Yeah, and it, but at the end, he's like, you know, he he tries to save her, and uh, it, it, that whole storyline. I'm like, there's a lot of really, it yeah, it's that schlocky like, we're just gonna sort of cram these like that's that's sort of where the video game. It's like this is very much a video game. Like this is yeah. not like, and and in a lot of ways, we're spoiled because like we have things like The Last of Us, and we have like god of war and the you know spider-man like the storytelling in those games is significantly better than and so like when you go like when you go back you'll you'll find out you'll find out. i know i will (laughs) (laughs) but like like it's it's just like it is sort of like one of those things where it's like you almost wish like it's like okay like you did all this stuff with the gameplay and with the engine and with everything else couldn't he have tightened that script up just a little bit? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the script probably was tightened up a little bit, actually, believe it or not. But it's just the overall plot was beat for beat the exact same. So, you know, they were yeah. that's what they were working with, that 1998 PS1 mm. game story. Mm. Right, right. <laughs> Chef yeah, kiss no, perfection that's... right there. Mm. And, and quick, quick aside, I, um, have either of you guys uh, checked out or looked? At, so there's a Resident Evil 3 demo out there right now that you can play for the, for the new one. Anyway, I was looking at it, and I thought it was pretty interesting because um, they're following basically the same pattern. Uh, when Resident Evil 3 came out back in the day, it was kind of deemed as Resident Evil 2.5 uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, because of how quick the development time was and how quickly they turned it around. And just how um, similar it was to uh, some of the things from Resident Evil 2. And really, you have... Uh, so, 
uh, Resident Evil 1 came out, or excuse me, Resident Evil 2, the original one, came out in January of 1998, and then Resident Evil 3 came out in September of 99, the next year. And you have basically the same exact thing happening now, where, where Resident Evil 2 came out in January of 2019, and then in April, here in a couple of weeks, uh, the third one's going to be coming out just like a year and a half later. So I thought that was an interesting kind of correlation, and it's using the same engine, a lot of the assets and things are probably reused and, and just sort of very similar to how it was back then so i thought it's just a fitting uh correlation there for um for fans of the series um either of y'all planning on picking up three anytime soon whatsoever probably not day one uh but it's it's definitely something that i'll be keeping an eye out for like a, a sale so you know probably sort of towards that you know fourth quarter Sort of, I'm sure that'll go on after, you know, six to seven months. I'm sure there'll be some sort of like it, where the drop is steep enough that I'm like, okay, I, I can justify picking this up. But yeah, not, yeah, not, I not day it. one. Mm-hmm. I can see it being uh, significantly discounted at Black Friday this year. Because that's kind of how Resident Evil 2 was last year. Came out early and then by Black Friday mm-hmm. it was cheaper. So um, just because I just played Resident Evil 2, not because I'm not interested. Not like after Resident Evil 2, like I really enjoyed this game. Um, and I guess, the, yeah, some of the things that I that I hadn't even talked. Well, you know what? Let's, let's leave it for just a second before we roll down that road. Um, but yes, I am like Nate. It's definitely on my radar. Um, I will eventually pick it up, but not day one because I just played Resident Evil 2. I'm not insane to play two games in a series back to back, like <laughs> nonary games. Oh man, <sighs> I uh, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, and we sort of talked about this a little bit pre-show, but now I I want to go back and and I I think that I have the Resident Evil One remake on PSN. Wasn't that was that a okay. free game or was that Resident Evil yes. Zero? No, it was one. Okay. There's a part of me that like would be I, I'm kind of interested in going back and maybe playing through zero and one just to sort of get those vibes like just a, like because I'm I'm not super up on the story. Four was my first entry into the Resident Evil games it, like that I actually played from front to back the whole way through. Sure. Um, yeah. And that's just like that's a very different type of game period in a lot of ways. Like it's it's creepy. But just that the 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 modified tank controls, like the plant and shoot sort of stuff. So uh, maybe I'll go back through and play Resident Evil One and Zero. I just think it's really interesting too, and I know this is sort of like, but like all of the the remakes that we're getting here in the next year or so, and high profile stuff. Like I recently, uh, I don't know if I told you this or not, Micah, the Final Fantasy VII remake demo. I finally got around to playing that and we uh, it's I'm, I make no secret about like how I have no great affection for Final Fantasy 7 right. this remake actually has my attention uh, now I will definitely sort of be in the camp like I think there's going to be a complete edition um, where they're just sure. like when they're all done they're going to take all two or three chapters or however ma- many installments and one big package and that's what I'm going to go for it. Cause it's like this, that okay. I've got, I've got enough stuff <laughs> like, you, you know, it, I've got backlogs for days. So, but like this, that playing through that demo, I was like, Oh, this is really great. 
like that demo like i was like this is how i like i think i would have yeah well we're hit we're hitting that time now as far as the uh the time between when these early 3d polygonal games came out you know where, where it's time to remake you know what i'm saying or it's like yeah. you look at resident yeah. evil 2 you look at final fantasy 7 they look like garbage the yep. old games you know what i'm saying you know uh, so it those games are especially uh, benefited from a, from a remake so final fantasy yeah. 7 final fantasy 2 and 3 they're about to come out you know so uh, excuse me uh, resident evil 2 and 3 um you know, those are all games that greatly benefit from this type of remake. So, you know, going back to, I know we've talked about it a little bit, but, um, you know, uh, Square Enix, dig down, like, remake Vagrant Story. Remake, Preach. Uh, you know, oh, I Final love Fantasy VIII and Nine. Remake, remake, um, remake uh, Chrono Cross. Remake, uh, I don't know, you know, just like, all these games that it's are really, you know, these early, yeah, stuff from the, Nintendo, from the N64, it. you know, like Remake GoldenEye, things like that. Um, I think it'd be really cool, but um, you know what? I, I think am all for. Uh, I'm sorry. Go well, ahead. I was just go gonna say Metal Gear Solid. I, like I know there was technically Twin Snakes or whatever for the GameCube. Yeah, but give us a a new end. Like you know, I, I know this is sort, of, but like that whole thing with uh, Konami and the Metal Gear Solid franchise and Silent Hill potentially being all that talk with Sony and everything else. Man, I'd love to see. I'd love to see like uh, a a new. Oh man, that would be incredible. Oof. I, I would die Oof. happy for sure if they remade Metal Gear like that. Um, yeah, you know the rumor is that uh, Blue Point Games is either making that or Demon Souls. I think it's probably Demon Souls. I think Demon Souls is all but confirmed well. at this point in time. Yeah, I, I think it, it probably is, but. Um, there's there's been swirlings of, of rumors like that, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, if Sony, not even if they like you know uh, own the IP anymore, but if just Konami lets them you know make games for it, that'd be that'd be awesome. You know, for a new Castlevania oh, totally. or a new Silent Hill, that'd be great because we're not getting anything right now from them. Well, pachinko right. machines. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we we're, we're not those. getting them. Not oh. in the United States. Oh, oh man, oh man. Well, with your point about um, wanting to play the original Resident Evil, so I haven't played, I've only played Resident Evil 4 and now Resident Evil 2, so I'm a newbie to the series. I've only played the games with Leon in them, um, but I'm definitely interested in, in more. And understanding that, of course, Resident Evil 2, like this is this remake is the newest of them, so it plays, it is the most modern in terms of, you know, control and things like that. Um but one of our patrons, uh, Wesley, if you've been listening to the show, you know Wes because he uh, gives us some content with the um, with the bite-sized episodes and things like that. Um, he said, you know, he wanted to join us for this episode, uh, but things didn't work out. But he did send us some things that he kind of wanted to talk about while he was on here uh, that I wanted to bring up. And uh, one of the things that he said was that the continuity of the puzzle and horror gameplay um, that is carried over from the original entry and how it's done in this one. So again, for someone who's fairly new to the series this is my second game in the series. I've dabbled in side games as well, but like I've, I've never finished any of the other ones. Um, I 
can't, I, you know, I haven't played the first and I don't know exactly how the puzzles work in that game. Um, but like I kind of alluded to last week with the map really helping you out. Um, and again, I think part of it is because I was playing uh, Virtue's Last Reward, which is heavily relies on puzzles, that I felt like the um, the amount of work that this game required of you in order to complete its puzzles the the bar was was i thought it was a very nice difficulty in terms of puzzles it was not overly difficult and it wasn't completely mindless either um but the way that it kind of caused you to backtrack or go around certain areas um it it never felt like you were had to focus on a puzzle for too long before getting back into the, you know, walking down corridors and holding your gun up kind of a thing. Um, but what are y'all's thoughts on on the puzzle elements that are combined with horror? Um, the puzzles are very similar to the first game. First and foremost, okay. I'll just say that. Okay. So so the, just at a base level, they're, they're very similar. Um, even what I remember of 4, since that's your other touch point, um, they're they're not that dissimilar uh, from from four mm. either. I wouldn't even call them puzzles really so much. It's more yeah. like how do I use this item? You know, what sort of contextual things give me clues to say okay? You know, because a lot of times it's pretty uh, you know kind of slap you in the face with how, how obvious it is. It's like mm-hmm. you know there's a there's a, a a hole in the wall in the shape of a crest. So let me go get the crest emblem that's over you know across the way and put it in this thing and then the door will open. Yeah, but um, yeah, it, it, it does strike a good balance. It is, I'm gonna say it is. You could call it a a puzzle game in a way, um, but uh, really, it's just it's kind of it, it gets your mind thinking like, okay, I want to accomplish this task, and then it tosses in you know the zombies and all the action and everything. So it's like, okay, I, I, I want to think about this thing. You're just game. Just let me do it. But okay, there's Mr. X and I got to run over here. And <laughs> yeah. so it kind of, it, it, it's, it's frustrating and not in a bad way, but in a like, just like, oh, I was right there. I, I was, now I got to run down the hallway and I got to go all the way back down and back around to the space again. I was just yeah. at, I thought I could finish it real quick. So it's just, it creates a bunch of um, kind of impromptu moments where you, you think you're about to get something in and you're kind of put in a hairy situation maybe. Uh, yeah. but you know, it's a little Metroidvania like, I wouldn't call it a Metroidvania though. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it, it's kind of, it's kind of just it's satisfying puzzles, you know, like you yeah. see, yeah. you get the book that shows you, okay, uh, for these three, I forget, like for the, the lion crest and all those things, you got to get the, like get the three pictures. So you, it gives you like one of them or two of them. It's like, okay, well, what's this last one here? You just got to figure it out. Uh yeah, you know, it's it's nothing too brain teasery like or anything too challenging. Yeah. It's just a good sort of uh a fun aside to kind of mix up all the tense action moments and gives you time to sort of like okay, calm down and just think and kind of think through a, a light puzzle and, and get your mind off of all the, you know, anxiety and, you know, stuff that's going around you with the action and the zombies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned it on our last episode but if they, um, so we played through Silent Hill 2 last year, and if the puzzles in that game were half as good as the puzzles in this game, then it would have been much better, <laughs> much more playable. Yeah. Um, as yeah. much as I, yeah. you know, I've talked about this multiple times, as much as I really am glad that I played through Silent Hill 2, the puzzles were just absolutely obtuse. 
um, and pretty ridiculous. So I played that one with a guide. Whereas this one, I I can't remember. I think there was there was one or two times where I did pull out a guide, and it was because I didn't notice a le- one was actually on the balcony of the um, of the police station. I didn't notice that there was a uh, a ladder going down, and so like I'm running all around the police station. I'm like, where the heck am I supposed to go? All these rooms mm. are blue. And it's just because I didn't notice the ladder. So something stupid. Um, it was just totally my fault. Uh, but I, I, I don't feel like I ever got stumped. Like even just the chess piece one where you have to kind of move stuff around. Like, you know, I wanted to sit and like think through, okay, how does this actually all work together before immediately going, no, we're, you know, Google. This yeah. is going to figure it out for me kind of a thing. So um, no, I, th- I thought it was done really well. And I think... It, well, yeah, just something like Silent Hill Two would have been so much better if if the puzzles were more intuitive, like this game. Yeah, I I think bringing up the chess piece puzzles, those were probably some of the hardest puzzles. That was probably the hardest puzzle mm-hmm. in the game. Um, just like all of the sequences, you know, getting the flamethrower and then getting back out, like all in, all including all of that stuff. That might have been the trickiest puzzle, and that was just pretty easily that was just a process of elimination you know you just yeah. went through and you said okay this one goes over here this one's across from this one okay yeah bah, 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 bah. uh and which i think like that's that's sort of the charm and that's that's i think par for the course i mean i have played a little bit of it never beat it but they played a little bit of the original resident evil and then resident evil 2 again it was i didn't own it an original playstation until later on and so the, like the the little bit I played of them sort of quickly moved on, uh, but I did. However, uh, I played Resident Evil Five after I played Four, and the puzzles in that game. I mean, like say what you will about that game, it's sort of that's definitely more action oriented than Four, even. Yeah. Um, but you know, sort of like the same sort of like puzzles there were just sort of like, yeah. You know, it's kind of like, oh, oh, okay. Like, it's like, find this half of the scarab and then this other half of the scarab. And, oh, hey, put it in this scarab-shaped indent in the wall. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. So, um, (laughs) but, yeah, I mean, that the puzzles themselves, I think, were, they they weren't super challenging, but the real challenge is sort of like the, the navigating the the sort of the world. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's really where the difficult, like, it's like, Oh, I can do this thing. And then Mr. Mr. X pops up and it's like, Oh no, now I can't, I got to run away. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's talking about resident evil five and how it went this direction of action. One of the other things that Wes brought up, which I find to be really interesting and, and it totally makes sense. So um, how, the series itself, how Resident Evil as a series, how the previous entry, Resident Evil 7, that I mean, even if you consider this an entry, but whatever, it's just a remake, how Resident Evil 7 kind of changed the trajectory and kind of set Capcom up to release this game, to actually make this game. Um, because like you had said a while ago, Micah, how they did redo the original resident evil and you know the talk was they're gonna remake resident evil 2 right and it was years before that happened because it kind of went off the rails so i've heard i haven't actually played it with resident evil 6 
um, is like just a straight up action game. Um, and how for years, like that's kind of what the understanding was because I want to say, I believe that Resident Evil 6 is the best selling Capcom game of all time. I want to say it's like made them the most money. Um, I could be wrong. It might be five, but I know it's either five or six. One of the, one of the action heavy games is like one of the best selling games. And that could, that might've changed within the past couple of years, but I know for the longest time, um, it's a super hot seller for them. Um, so the fact that they kind of took a risk with Resident Evil 7 and brought it back to its survival horror roots. And then out of that, um, they were able to, you know, release, re-release this game and remake it same engine and all that stuff. Um, I, Wes brought that up and I thought that was a really good point of how it kind of brings the series full circle of like, okay, no, these are actually survival horror games and who know, you know, maybe, maybe they'll go off the, I don't, I don't see them going off the rails. Maybe all the remakes will stay, uh, uh, survival horror and resident evil eight will be an action. You know, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but we are kind of living in, uh, the best timeline right now, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, what Wes made a great point because seven, it was. Um, I, I didn't play six, uh, but I played five, mm. and that yeah, that was an action uh, focused uh, entry to the series. I'm assuming six was as well. But seven, yeah, after what you, I've heard, after you get into seven for a little while uh, and kind of get used to the setting and everything and get used to the gameplay, you realize very quickly. Oh, this is like old school Resident Evil. This feels like Resident Evil one, two, and three is what this feels like, as far as the um, you know just kind of the puzzles and going through the house and the, the items you would pick up and these types of things. Um, it definitely had that same vibe, even though it was first person. Um, and I, I know it didn't perform as well, like to your point, Josh, as six, uh, seven didn't perform as well in this in the sales, but mm-hmm. um, regardless, it was received very well by fans. So. I don't know when they decided to pull the trigger on remake two. Um, it, when you know, as far as if it was in the ve- development of six or seven or what, but yeah, they leveraged that new RE engine uh, that mm-hmm. seven used for two, and yeah, just gave the fans more of what they wanted. And you know, for people like me, seven was a fantastic entry. Um, two is probably, or excuse me, two remake is probably my new favorite Resident Evil game. Um, so yeah, they're definitely firing all cylinders. And I think Capcom just in general is firing on all cylinders. Um, you got monster hunter world, which is a huge hit for them. You've got, um, like I know devil may cry five, while it might not be everyone's cup of tea is a technically sound game and and it looks very good. Um, they've just got, uh, resident evil two and three on the way. So they're very much in a, um, sort of revival period of, of, you know, sort of uh, hitting on a lot of their classics. Um, now, if they could so, just yeah. get Mega Man right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they they they, they got to do some work there. But um, but yeah, they're doing a, a fantastic job with a lot of their IP right now, and um, Resident Evil is showcasing that. So, hey, uh, I did yeah. do like some quick googling, uh, just real quick, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll do their top, I guess, five or six games. So, Monster Hunter yeah. World is their best-selling game, Capcom's best-selling game, at almost, it's 14.9 million copies. So, almost 15 million copies in the wild. Resident Evil 5, at 7.6 million. Resident Evil okay. 6, 7.4 million. 
than Resident Evil 7 at 7 million. But just to just to sort of like, you know, round that out, the one the Resident Evil 2 remake has sold uh, as of February 13th, 2020, uh, a whopping 5.8 million copies. So that's no slouch. Nice. nice. It's a... Uh, Especially for the horror genre, you know, it's already kind of a limited yeah. genre, you know, as far as its yeah. reach. Um, so getting five million for a game like RE2 is, is pretty darn good. And I don't know if these numbers necessarily include digital copies or if this is just physical copies sold. I I, I mean, I'm yeah, looking at that. there. Yeah, it could be add some or it could include them. So I don't know, man. I... I'll, I'll, I'll sort of like close and sort of wrap up my thoughts. I overall really enjoyed this game, but it is a little intense. And so that initial playthrough, like I, I think at some point in time, I would like to go back through and platinum it. But I know those and in, that initial run really did do some work on me. And it, it was it was mm-hmm. hard for me to sort of like get into it. Um, and now that some of those story beats are are dead, you know, aren't, aren't like the big reveals, I'll definitely sort of come back into it. But I definitely, I know that like, well, that's why I started playing Yoku's Island Express. I was like, I need something that doesn't, yeah. you know, <laughs> like sort yeah. of like, yeah, because like it, it is sort of just a heavy game. It's very good, very, very good. But it's also like, there was something there where it was like it, it did it did do some work on me. So it's like I, I definitely needed a little bit of space to you know before I came back to it. But I'm very interested in coming some back. Some dead space? Uh, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dead space is is kind of like I, I have a really unhealthy relationship with that game. <laughs> That's a game um, they need to remake. Oh, for sure. I'd love. Oh, see, that's the one. That's the remake. That if they 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 gave me like a really nice, just clean it up, like tighten up, like upres it, like give it almost more of like the uh, the Shadow of the Colossus treatment. I don't need you to do any like overhaul of the gameplay per se. Just tighten it up, like just make it super duper pretty. Man, you might be able to find a mod for it. I mean, that's true. if you're PCMR, I played it on PC and it looked really good. The textures were good, but I'm sure you can find mods to make it look even better. Um, True facts. Yeah, that was something a little weird. Get out of here with the this PCMR. is just this is just. I mean, I'm not huge on PC, but like, th- there are some things that I enjoy about it. But I I would be curious. I kind of wish, or maybe I should get myself a copy of Resident Evil Two on PC because the the frame rate was kind of weird on PlayStation like all the cutscenes were like 60 frames per second and then it would drop at certain points and then the gameplay was all at 30. So that I thought that was a little weird. Like some of the parts felt really smooth and then it went back to normal and that was a little jarring. Um, but anyways, minor gripe. I, I do have to say, just because we're talking about making remaking games, uh, another thing that was huge about this game that stuck out to me is the lighting was fantastic because yeah. most of the game yeah. you have a flashlight like that's how you're seeing stuff and all of that looked fantastic so all that to say if they do remake dead space and like if they have that sort of dynamic lighting that this game had oh oh that would be beautiful that would and be very very ugly and beautiful <laughs> be pretty in the worst possible way 
Yes, yes, exactly. But well, I think we have sort of uh, wandered to and fro down the mm-hmm. the corridors of the police station in Raccoon City, um, and I, I I don't want to spend any more time right there now. <laughs> yeah, there right now. I, I I'm I'm, I'm I think I can hear some footsteps. I, I, I hear some <laughs> footsteps, and it's uh, leaving me a little unsettled. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, but uh, before we go, uh, Mike, I just wanted to say, hey, thanks, man, so much for hopping on the mics and, and chewing this one yeah. up for a little bit. But uh, Just a little bit. Just, just, just a little bit. Hey, you know, for <laughs> us, I'm looking, at, like, I'm looking at our recording right now. For us, this is reasonable time reasonable <laughs> reasonable <laughs> like you know it's it's not like the four hours that we spent talking about shadow of the Colossus, but uh yeah oh that's true that's true um <laughs> well i'm always happy awesome. to hop on the mic of course and you know talking about nostalgic games like resident evil is, is a lot of fun so yeah glad to glad to be on and thanks for having me back on so yeah well awesome. before you go or before we sort of wrap up uh you know any plugs you want to dump out there, sort of throw out into the wild, let people know where to find you. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean nothing too major. <clears throat> Just on uh, on Twitter, I'm I'm, I'm at, at Doug's Vest everywhere. Um, Doug's Vest on PSN, Doug's Vest on Twitter, Discord, uh, GG app, um, all those things. I'm of course I hang out on the. In the TRG Facebook group, in the Backlog Breakdown Facebook group, uh, yeah. So I'm around talking about PlayStation games and just the industry and stuff like that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And you always post quality stuff. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, I I appreciate Micah the level of 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 insight and maturity you bring to the table, um, mm-hmm. which. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't bring any of that, so I'm just glad somebody does. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's, that's very, very kind of you. <laughs> All right. Happy to oblige. Yes. Sweet man. So, Well, um, as far as we go, if you want to reach out to us here at the podcast, we have a Twitter. Our handle is at bbdowncast. You can email us directly at thebacklogbreakdown at gmail.com. Uh, we do have the Facebook group, the hashtag backlogbookclub. We also have a Discord server that we've mentioned a few times here on the episode. Uh, if you want to link to that, just ping us, one of us, because we'll get you in there. Um, but I don't know how to do the perpetual link. So anyways, just let us know. We'll, we'll let you in. Um, and then if you want to reach out personally on, uh, you know, GG, PSN, uh, I always think switch friend code, but no, that's not true. Um, you know, Facebook, Twitter, any of that f- fun stuff. I generally go by Broccolope, that's spelled B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E, and Nate goes by... Nate underscore McKeever, because I'm super boring and super original. Classic. Yeah. Because you love your parents and the name that they gave you. Yeah, I, I guess you, you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to help us out here at the podcast, there's plenty of ways that you can do that. If you rate and review the podcast, that would help us. Apparently, that helps out somehow. Um, but we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, obviously, if you subscribe to the podcast, that'd be great. But share it with your friends. You know, if you've enjoyed our conversation about Resident Evil Two, and you know you think someone else would enjoy it as well, just let them know. 
And uh, if you do want to throw a couple bucks our way, we do have a Patreon. Uh, just think of it like a tip jar. If you enjoy what we do and you feel like supporting financially, you can do it there. Um, but I, I, I think too, just yes. as, as a bit of uh, an incentive for the Patreon, at some point in time here in the nearish future, when things sort of like level out, I will be rolling out the official uh, Breakdown Brochacho uh, potential t-shirt designs. I know that Mike is not a big swag guy, but uh, you know you have that to look. Some. Yeah, you know, um, I'll I'll sort of be rolling out some of that stuff to say like, what what do you guys think? So you heard it here first. Nice. Well, that's awesome. Uh, any parting thoughts before we head off into the night or the morning? Um, on a slightly more somber note. Uh, you know, in this time, stay inside if you don't have to go anywhere. Uh, love your family well. Love your friends well. Let them know that you care about them. And uh, for Pete's sake, if your mailman tells you to stay inside, stay inside. Probably a good idea. <laughs> oh, but all that's right. all I got. Well, with with all this all this free time on your hands, you keep beating down your backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits. Good night. Good night.